Today's episode of Chunky Glasses, the podcast, is brought to you by the Indivisible Guide, a practical guide for resisting the Trump agenda. It's a team made up of former congressional staffers uh, revealing their best practices for making Congress listen. That sounds like something we're all interested in, right? Right. Uh, you can donate to this group on their page at www.indivisibleguide.com. You can follow them up on Twitter, which is at Indivisible Team. Uh, we follow them. So if you just look at our followers, you can get it like that. They have weekly calls. They have put out emails. They they make uh, videos. They, they, they're they keeping you informed so you can, uh, as the kids say, stay woke, and uh, we can maybe get some shit done. So that's Indivisible Guide. Uh, they are awesome. And now let's get on with the show. Here and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Merely a two word review, just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the last man. That right there is a Welcome back to the Day Spent Football Music Lovers. You are now tuning in to yet another exciting adventure with us here in Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual. And as usual, we are so happy you decided to spend a little time with us. So we're going to reward that with a great conversation today. It's going to be in two parts. Uh, first up, uh, you may have heard all the hype over the weekend about the Fire Festival. We're going to talk a little bit about that. There's not much to say. You know, shit got fucked up. Whatever. Uh, but we're also gonna we're, we're gonna use that as a jumping off point to explore what the uh, what the value of festivals is in 2017. You know, way back in the day, um, I remember the first Bonnaroo happened, and you had like Newport Jazz, Newport Folk, and little festivals around the way, and you'd had Horde going around years before that. But really, Bonnaroo was the, was the big one that launched it. And I, I remember that was a that was a thing, and. Uh, and everything is sort of mutated out from that, and we don't know if it's good or bad. So, joining me to discuss that is going to be Mr. Marcus Dowling, and uh, our, our live reporter on the ground in the, in the pit, as it were, Mr. Mauricio Castro. And then after that, we're going to talk about uh, a band that we uh, know and love here, uh, Sylvanesso. They have a new album called What Now? It came out on Friday. I hope you did your homework and you're familiar with it. Uh, so we're going to parse this. Is it their sophomore album? Is it a sophomore slump? Or did they kill it? As they are wont to do. Uh, and we're going to do that. And then we're going to play a little song by our friend Sean Barna. Who some of you know. If you if you pay attention to this podcast, he was one of the first interviews we actually did. Uh, really good friend to the site. Uh, really good. You know, he's, he's part of our family. Uh, he has a new album out coming out called... Uh, pictures of an exhibitionist and we've got a track for you from it so that's what we're doing right now so if you guys are ready uh you are beating the heat because it's hot as balls here in dc um let's grab our beverage head on down to the basement talk about the new album from the amazing sylvanesso what now Um, 
Welcome to the basement, guys. This is the coolest place in D.C. on the hottest fucking day of the year. The People's Climate March happened yesterday, yes. and this is fucking why. This is some bullshit. <laughs> we had we had a person fall out because he was too hot, and it is too fucking hot. Like the mics are sparking. There's like dripping from the wall. This is like it's it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. But, I'm actually uh, dead right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dying from dehydration, and that beer you're drinking is going to help. Is it? Yes. I have yes. a, uh, a nice, crisp, refreshing beverage made with green hat gin. There you go. <laughs> green hat gin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, no, we're, we're, we're down here today because we, uh, we had to talk about this record. Uh, yeah. Partially because I am a huge fan of not just this record, uh, this band, but these people in general. Uh, but also they are, I think, one of the biggest, biggest success stories of the past few years in music. And you guys have all come around to like really liking them, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about that a little. Uh, talk about Sylvanesso, um, and uh, their new album "What Now," which came out on Friday. Uh, before that, I want to get into a little thing, and not too deep into it, uh, that happened also on Friday that apparently made the internet. And I'm talking about the Fire Festival. It, it made the internet great again. <laughs> it did make the internet great again. <laughs> So, oh, so the, the gist of this is what happened is you have Ja Rule and a uh, and a uh, finance bro, twenty five year old uh, finance bro, twenty five year old. He's my peer. Bro. Yeah, twenty five year old finance bro. And what am I doing with my life? <laughs> I don't know. Um, and they had the idea to have this festival, which, if I'm to understand it correctly, you pay a fuck ton of money to hang out and see bands. And also hang out with celebrities or something? No, you get to swim with pigs. And okay. maybe supermodels. Because, you know, and the, maybe all supermodels. The, hashtag it's the, the ones that advertise it in the first place. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay, so um, so festival culture is a thing that, like, I'm relatively conversant in to a ridiculous degree. Like, I've. It was kind of thing that, like, made my journalistic career or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, too many festivals to, to name that I've attended uh, in the last five years. And uh, the thing that's happen with festival culture now as opposed to festival culture five years ago is that we've commodified and commercialized the idea of the festival experience so it's now just a large number of like tropes and concepts and ideas and now there's really bad netflix films that are about this thing and you know it's it's a whole thing now like now it's not like this unique underground to mainstream like completely left of center thing like now when with like fire festival it's like okay we can kind of put these stock images of hot chicks on beaches wearing forever 21 clothes and people will spend ten thousand dollars to be a hot to hang out next to a hot chick on a beach a nameless faceless beach yeah and wear forever 21 clothes and listen to vague indie underground sort of electro music not even not big, a, not indie. Even, yeah, like, nah. there is like general ja well, disclosure. It, it, disclosure. I mean, good music was probably the only right, uh, yeah. like Blink notable 182? one. Blink one eighty two. But yeah, no, I think L- that was Lil Yachty, uh, Migos, all these other groups. Well, it's it that it's, plays. I'm not against the idea of a beach festival. I mean, like, there's so many festivals now that happen in the city. Like, I, I get the idea that you got to differentiate a little bit. Like, you got to like once you do a festival like Landmark, it's like, oh yeah, I could go to a festival in the city, but. I like the idea of a destination festival, but so that's a good point um, because we are, I think, at peak festival here in 2017. Yeah, like I think we're we're well beyond it. We uh, unfortunately just sort of canceled our trip to uh, Newport this year. Mm-hmm. We're planning on going, um, and the lineup isn't strong. But it's not strong because uh, the artists aren't good. 
it's that the the artists are everywhere now. Yeah. You know, and once we had we're in DC, once I think Landmark happened, you know, we cuz I traveled to a bunch of festivals and covered a bunch of festivals up until that point and I covered Landmark and I said, "Wow, this is the same thing but it's just right down the street." And so why would I put in that extra effort to travel if something something like that's going to be popping up where you are in your town to do that? So what's the appeal of the travel? I mean, this was obviously Fire Festival was obviously the the uh, super rich, you know, entertainment class people. I, I don't even and I don't even understand that. I don't begin to understand that. And, and they got, <laughs> you know, karmically, they, they all got what they deserved, you know, because it turned out to be a scam. Yeah. It like, was it was the way it was marketed. I think was my biggest rub. Like it appealed to the the base, the basest, the most basic rich white people. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, like the, the way they advertise it was the problem in the first place. Like put in like this, like I said, the stock footage of the beach and all that. Put some put get some Instagram influencers yeah. to like post a photo at the same time. You know, build some intrigue because you know so, intrigue is always to get a post on Kylie Jenner's Instagram that isn't posted by her. Cost three hundred thousand dollars. Wow! So just for advertising alone, between like her and like every other Bella Hadid or whomever else was doing this, they spent like two million dollars. Yeah, and then to appear in like those those promo videos, I think was it Kylie Jenner that was in one of the promo videos? I think I remember like some other like notable celebrities. Yeah, guess like in their twenties or whatever. Crazy and Pepsi. (laughs) Yeah, strong take. Strong take. I mean, that's not the only festival, beach festival, to, you know, them realize they're really over their heads. LCD, James Murphy tried doing the Beach Vibes Festival last right. year with Holy Ghost, Hot Ship, Run the Jewels. Mm-hmm. But they had the right idea to cancel, and they realized things were not going the way they should have. Well, some, to, to respond to something that you said uh, sort of off the cuff there, Mauricio, like, aren't these festivals in general, with, with a few exceptions all marketed to maybe not rich but well-to-do white people yeah uh, it's funny you say that because um i i interviewed uh, gary richards who who does uh-huh. hard fest yes and uh, gary has a fascinating take on it he's always like well we know our market and we we market to our market but at the same time we're also in the background like before the first act is booked mm-hmm. we've already like overplayed for safety and overplayed for everything else so like up front, before the festival is even, like, booked. Yeah. Safety, the well-being of the, the traveler, especially given that these are wealthy people, is, like, overdone. Mm-hmm. So you already have that. That money is already spent. So, like, by the time that you're booking X, you're literally looking at your, your negative bottom line <laughs> and going, how do we get to zero? So that's how you create the festival. In this case, they came up with this idea, and then they booked the acts, like, before even figuring out where they were going to hold it, right, and that's the problem. It's like when you think that you think that booking, you think that doing a festival is easy, but it's actually not. It's the polar it, opposite. It's impossible. And and, yeah. and today, to be clear, what a lot of festivals do is the the reason we don't get announced lineups, for example, before these festivals is because nobody's fucking booked. Yeah. So it is a way to get money in, collect the interest off that. I mean, look, it, it's it's. On one hand, it's good business sense. On the other hand, it also, I think, sells all the bands who play these things short because people are just buying into, like, Austin City Limits Festival. Yeah. They're just like, I know I want to be in Austin in Zilker Park in, mm-hmm. when it's hotter. It's hotter than this. Um, but, you know, that's in, like, August or September or yeah. whatever it is. September. You know, um, and 
and this is this has become the de facto model to not like it used to be festivals were at least like moderately curated and now it's just everybody is put like it is a thing for a band to say we are going on the festival circuit Sylvanesso, the band we're mm-hmm. going to be talking about, is going on. Not only are they going on the festival circuit, they killed the festival sur- circuit last time they did this. Mm-hmm. It's a moneymaker, or can be a moneymaker for these bands. So, it's it's a weird dichotomy of like, do you uh, do we as like heavy music consumers, like Mauricio, you more than me or Dowling, you're out almost every night seeing a show. Um, right. Do we as heavy uh, uh, an over average music consumers? Like what is what is left to be appealing about any of these things? You just need to. I mean, generalizing is what's causing everyone to be touring and going to every single festival. I like the festivals that you know know their audience. Yeah, uh, Broccoli City is a pretty is a it pretty is. nicely curated one that's happening this Saturday mm-hmm. and appeals to a different audience than like Fire Festival, Sweet Life. I mean, they had teenagers, I guess, but Sweet Life doesn't exist anymore. It does yeah. not exist anymore. That's right. But those bands, I think, were a lot of them were on the circuit like all over at every other festival yeah. i think there's yeah, there's we'll, space for the smaller for like more specialized festivals mm-hmm. um so so but what was the one that uh it was it wasn't sweet life i don't think it was but they or maybe it was that had like a bunch of uh acts for the utes and then that Billy was probably Idol. sweet life yeah it was sweet life yeah because see, that was sweet life's marketing plan was like so so why yeah. so why and i understand like this idea you just want to make money but even we have coming up Meriwether's 50th anniversary thing. Absolutely. You have Jackson Brown, the only artist really who is associated with that venue. Right. The loadout was recorded live yeah. from that stage. So if you're going to have a festival for a 50th anniversary, you've got to have him there. Yeah, of course. Willie Nelson, who's awesome, yeah. but has no connection to that. Father John Misty, zero connection to that. But you need somebody who's a draw. <laughs> yeah, he'll bring the people in. Well, you know who would bring the people in who does have a connection? Fish. Dave but, Matthews. Dave Matthews. Sounds but the thing out. is, is that they they also are in a lot of ways for for that crowd. They feel like it's too obvious of a booking. It's one of those things where like you want to try to like book something that is like a breakout for an artist because sure. typically like for, like Father John Misty, right? Like Father John Misty's with this album and the, the critical acclaim this album has, it'll probably be a Grammy like nominated, probably Grammy winner. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest, like it's a great record and yeah, it is. Yeah, and you didn't want it to be a great record. That's the I thing. I didn't want it to and be nobody a great record. Be, nobody wanted that to be a great record. But like, it's look, a great and record. that's like I, I think Father John Misty should and could be playing. Uh, Mar- but that's Post. the breakout for him. Is that's the thing? It's like now you're going to take him out of arenas and put him into this circuit so that you then extend the life of his career maybe yeah yeah and that's the yeah and that's where we are now. i think that's just an industry thing but i mean as far as festivals go like i think that the next look for festivals and i see this now with a lot of like you know people who do the festival planning side like if you look at a hard fest lineup this year snoop dogg is playing doggy style yeah at the quote-unquote edm festival like he's playing doggy style beginning to end so like the rap festival is going to become a thing mm-hmm. yeah like there's already where evidence we're going. Of that miami's yeah. got the rolling loud festival yep. happening uh yeah I mean, like it, we're we're breaking down now. Like that that fire festival appealed to that rich white boy, uh, yeah. that basic person, you know, yeah. EDM and hip hop, and then like Blink One Eighty Two because 
you know, what person in their 20s didn't listen to Blink-182 right, right. Like in elementary or middle school or whatever. Yeah, yeah. but that but that crowd is oversaturated now. They've seen everything. Yeah, yeah. they're like the ones they, going to Coachella it, and every other Bonnaroo and everything. But if, if that had worked, is what I'm saying, if that had worked, then you would have seen more like that. And a further but breakdown of stuff. Why well, is Ja Rule throwing a festival? <laughs> that's just very true. Why, why is Ja Rule throwing a festival? Like, why, why is that a thing? Uh, he's, if he has the money, he's probably just expecting some return, you know? Like, he but, just thought, but, like, some guy came to him and said, hey, I have an idea. We're no, going to have a some, festival. He had some 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 twenty five year old kid that wanted to be cool and hang out with Ja Rule because Ja Rule is an available celebrity to hang out with. Took him <laughs> down to the Bahamas, and they hung out and did some drugs and decided, "Hey man, I want to hang out and do drugs all the time. That would be fun." Yeah, so it is. You know, it is that. It is parties. It, it is drugs. It is. Yeah. It, it is everything. But it is. Um, the experience doesn't have to be like that generic because here, here's the reality. There are people out there who, who want these very niche festivals. I forget the one up in Maryland. It's like a camping festival. Right. Uh, there used to be another one further up that was like just jam bands. Yeah. Smaller stuff like that. Like bigger in this case is never better unless unless it's Virgin Free Fest because <laughs> those motherfuckers knew how to curate a show. Yes. Because you could see great bands start to finish of all different genres yeah. and end with LCD sound system right. blowing pavement off the stage. Yeah, I was going to say LCD sound system, and like they also broke out the entire hipster culture. Like they yes. brought, they put them all they put they put their first people to head the common sense to put Sandy Gold in my own main stages. Yeah, like oh, that's yeah, the thing. Gold. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like that's they had, and they had like they had Sandy Gold. They had Girl Talk. Yep. Girl Talk followed up like an hour later by Franz Ferdinand. Right, that's great. So just like you're just naming like, for me like all, all those bands I would like line up to see separately and pay. Yes, exactly. To and, be and, I, and I think yeah. that's what it's supposed to be. And I think what's happened is, you know, as we expand it to like two, three, four days, and you have every single like band playing, uh, smaller bands it, it is they get their shot. They have to deal with the radius problem, which is essentially if you sign on to play one of these, you can't play within like a two hundred mile radius yep. of the event. For for sometimes in the case of like Pitchfork uh, or Lollapalooza for six months. Yeah. So the, the thing it's it's intriguing in the sense that like when Coachella took over the market mm -hmm. and they like leveled the entire market, mm -hmm. like the entire market now starts in India, and you could take an entire year and go all the way around. Like Outcast did it. Yeah, no, you're Outcast right. played forty festivals a couple years yeah, ago. You're right. And it was like, and, and that was the moment when it's like, okay, so we don't have to even make music. If 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 your live <laughs> act is great enough, you could just go and play forty festivals. And but it used to be casinos for them. They could go to every casino like year round if they were a legacy act. Right and now, it's like uh -oh. everyone will go now to festivals. Is, yeah. So this is like the modern casino. Yeah. If but wouldn't you rather see something like Glastonbury, that has that has Radiohead playing, but then earlier in the night you saw White Snake, but or exactly. Foreigner. But 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 America likes hamburgers. You're, yeah, no, and uh, ex explain <laughs> that. I know what you mean. Yeah, okay, so like I don't even know what you Glastonbury mean. Glastonbury <laughs> is this like hyper curated festival in Europe, where in Europe there's an appreciation for like diversity in music. And intriguing, you know, like bands being placed together is like a perfectly normal, commonplace thing in America because we like the bacon cheeseburger of music effect, where it's like, okay, the most generic thing that we can think of to do, let's do that over and over and over again. The anything that is novel suddenly becomes commonplace within two seconds, the second that like five people like it. It's like, okay, we're doing this across the board. It's like putting food in bowls. You know, like food and bowls. Ten years ago, 
maybe it's cool. Now, yeah. every <laughs> single restaurant on God's green planet puts, a, puts something in a bowl. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. It's the food and bowls concept. Yeah. More so than hamburgers, it's food and bowls. Yeah. Like, okay, we're going to take a little bit of, you know, Sylvanesso. We're going to throw in. It's like it's like all things go festival, for example, because we're getting the Sylvanesso. Yeah. That's where I saw it the first time. Yes, it is. Last year. Like, they're like, okay, so a festival is a thing that exists. So we take a one of these. And then we throw in a wrap thing, and then we throw in, you know, a little bit of this for garnish, and then we throw in, like, a whole bunch of, like, electro rice at the bottom, and then just mix it up. Yeah. And people are going to eat it, because we know. Now, now to, to my mind, though, that was actually, for you guys, this was considered a good lineup, right? I thought it was pretty decent. I mean, like, Passion Pit, his qualities kind of faltered with his voice. Yeah, but, Passion Pit, though. Like, Passion Pit was cool, like, to me, not, nothing against I mean, I still love Passion guys. Pit, but, yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that, was, that festival's more... I think of that as a little bit like Broccoli City. Like, they had Ace Cosgrove in the beginning, but it was really, like, mostly, like, synth pop and stuff. Like, I, that, that was, like, the one thing that stood out to me the most for that festival. Like, yeah. it, was, it was a little bit head-scratched to me, as awesome as Ace Cosgrove is. But, like, looking at everything else, like, that was, like, the big well, this, outlier. Well, and, and this is exactly what I'm saying, though. It's like, you can have just a synth pop festival. That's held in a place in D.C. called Yards Park. Yes. Which is not a big... I don't know what the maximum attendance is, but it's under 5,000, yeah, I think. Yeah, right. Uh, so it's where we have D.C. Jazz Fest, not, not mm-hmm. the one with George Benson and Mary Weather Post. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a beautiful development down near the baseball stadium where the Nationals right. play here. And you, yeah, Ace Cosgrove, Ace Cosgrove did not belong on that lineup. It, it that's was, not, it was that's not what All Things Go is about. And that's not what that day was about. But you have to have a rap thing in the middle of the festival. But you lineup. don't. And that's, that's my point is because you still have, if you're talking about just that kind of numbers, 5,000 people, you can work it so you make all the money you need. You can pay the artists all the money they need to get. And then somebody else can come in and right. do. But they want, it to do, they want it to be every other festival on God's planet yeah, Earth. Yeah, and that's, that's what I'm saying. And then you get a rap. You got to have a rap thing. Yeah. Got to have a dance thing. Yeah, that sounds gotta, a lot like Fire Festival. Just that Fire Festival more yeah. of extreme, right? Yeah, you gotta have, you gotta have a, a guy and girl yeah. electro thing. I a guy and girl rock thing. One but of them. I, I don't see Fire Festival. I see that as a lesson. I don't see the lesson just being you're gonna get scammed by douchey dude, dude bros. Like that is that is actually the lesson. Yeah. Like when you have a 25 year old organizer who, if you had just done some research, has run this scam several times. Right. It's not on this level. You would know. That that you know, but buyer beware, whatever. Yeah. But this is what I this because it was so generic and because it promised so much, like this is sort of analogous to what these festivals are be, are becoming. And you're not going to see something I, I think in the continental United States that ends up that bad. But we are. Oh, can we can we get feral dogs at Yards Park? Yeah, yeah. But you you are heading towards a decline in quality to some of them as as they age, where they're just like, well, we got this, and we provide less and less and less. And and provide less and less diversity, or even uh, giving a shit about the curation and the performances. I want I want FEMA tents and 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 any and, and any of the rappers that we book at decades. Yeah, and and feral dogs at Yards Park. That's what I want. <laughs> You know, yeah. this reminds me a little bit of uh, what happened at Tomorrow World in Georgia also. Exactly, yeah. right. I was going to say that. Like, that's what, but that's where we're well, what, going. What happened at Tomorrow? I don't know. Well, that was, uh, oh, there was a big storm that came through, and because this place is in a very, like, it's in a little bit of a remote location, yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. a it's, couple it's miles away mile, from... 20 miles outside of Atlanta. Okay. Yeah. And in so, the forest. 
Yeah, right. the storm came and things were flooded. Roads were not able to. You no one was able to come in or out. And this is a place that people came in for the day. Like people aren't camping at this place. Yeah, some of them, and so they're basically stranded. People like sleeping on the mud. Like that was a shit show. I mean, it, it's no, there's it, lots of it's examples. A cautionary, of it's another like cautionary that. tale. But I mean, it can ha- it could happen in America too. Yeah, the, the, like, I mean, the idea, uh, uh, the point I'm trying to make is that if you're gonna do these, don't. <laughs> If you don't care about the curation and you don't care about the talent, guess who, what type of people you're hiring? Mm. People who also don't give a fuck about that. So you kept I mean, there's look, there's really good examples. Just in DC, I remember uh, the first time Radiohead, one of the first times they they were playing up here at a big venue, they're supposed to play Bull Run Park. Oh god! And it rained so hard, but they kept people there. But there was six feet of water in front of the stage with electric lines running up to the stage because that's how that happens. Not well planned. Uh, I remember back in the day, All Good Festival is defunct now, mm-hmm. but it used to be a Marvin's Mountaintop. They held it at a uh, at a farm outside Fredericksburg, and the reason was is because they really didn't have a budget. And a, a storm came through. Had most of us not been on shrooms, it would have been the worst experience. <laughs> As it still stands, it was the worst experience for some people, but I had a pretty good time. Right. But the point is, like, it rained out everything and destroyed. They, you have to be able to prepare for everything because at the end of the day, you're inviting people and in, you're liable. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for the lawsuits. If a Sharknado had happened at Fire Festival. That would have been awesome. <laughs> well, it would have been awesome. But, been awesome. but it would have been like they they would have been more fucked than they are now. Just, I just I want to tell Modi from Trelectro that if if I can't swim with pigs at Meriwether Post, I'm not coming. Right. I want to swim with pigs. That was now. that was part of the appeal, like right to like the, the, <laughs> to be in a place where you could swim with pigs, like something that's Instagrammable. Like yes. a lot of this marketing was carried out on Instagram. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, like as a photographer, like I love and cherish that that social media, like to be able to share photos. But the people that were going to these things were pretty much like the most basic people, the ones that whose like feeds are as fake as their lives. Yeah, you know, and yeah. that's I think that was the main issue. Yeah, I'm, I'm so down. I had with that festival. Do you, do you think Instagram is responsible for a lot of this? Oh, of course it was, because that was the whole thing. They, this but the, the the blandness of festivals like yeah, people of course like people people shooting their food and it's all just like oh i was there like yeah because look coachella was aside from kendrick's performance some really big bullshit i mean well that's i watched where, a lot of it and it was just like that it, it, yeah. well that's where coachella's going now like mm-hmm. if uh, unless they like you know do something like you know like like god i can't think of an act that they could book right because they'll book anybody at this point they don't right. care like as long as it, it's a bottom line festival at this well, point they're throwing, the stagecoach is there this weekend it's country yeah and then a little later is the olds festival i know <laughs> i love i love the olds festival by the way I do too. we're specializing right we're yeah, specializing I love the old but be- like i would do that once and i can see that happening once and i think it's important that it happens yeah. once because everybody who look the stones don't always tour the who doesn't well the who does nobody if you did goes. It, like, once every five years <laughs> Yes, and it was yes. like in a lineup, like you you knew, like and they would like once every year, kind of like give you a sense of like what kind of crazy thing they were cooking up, and mm-hmm. then like like the year before, it's like they roll out like two or three D acts, and you're like, oh my god, they're gonna put together, you know, like page and play it or something crazy, and it's gonna be like yeah with these guys, and then you know like whatever, like that would be cool, but no, like if you do it every year, then that was gonna die quickly because these are. These are these are the kind of lineups that deserve once every five years. Yeah, yeah. And Bob Dylan sucks in concert now, so. <laughs> Sorry for the hot I mean, I've never Ooh. seen him live, so I don't know. Yeah, um, but yeah. So festivals, all we're saying, you know, 
feel sorry for, for some. I think we have some empathy for mm. the douchebags who bought into this festival. Yeah. Uh, but, Only because I know one of them. Oh, do you? Yeah. That's a whole other story. Are you fucking serious? Yeah, yeah. Well, well okay. <laughs> so, so speak up, sir. No, you don't have to name, I mean, name. You don't have I, to name I, names. I, 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 she's she's awesome. I, I kind of feel I feel bad for some people, but yeah, I think her. Was she what? Was she looking? What what experience was she looking for? I haven't interviewed her. I don't know. Okay. I I, I mean, like I just seem assume that that whole. Pretty much a stereotype is the CNBC crowd. So, okay. I mean, like, I, I figure that's what a lot of people there went for. I feel, I feel bad for some of them, but honestly, they're gonna take more photos, like by the poolside or at the beach or whatever, yeah. and life is gonna go on. Yes, and maybe lawsuits will come by, settlements will come by, but the world will keep spinning. So, feral dogs and with pigs. That's all. And I care may, about maybe, that. maybe one person, the light bulb will go off and say, "Hey, maybe this is what life is about." <laughs> Can we hope for that? We'll try. Okay. Life's actually about feral dogs. Yeah. That's our, our final take. And, and right now about Sylvanesso. Radio off of Sylvan Asso's... Uh, Sylvan Asso. God wow. damn it. They're going to... Sylvan Asso. Sylvan Asso's uh, sophomore album, What Now? Uh, Amelia Meath and Nick Sanborn. Sort of... They, they were both doing different bands. Uh, Nick was in, let's see, Megaphone and a couple other bands. He's a bass player, but yeah. also a composition guy. Uh, Amelia was in Mountain Man, who was big mm-hmm. on the folk circuit at the time. Yeah. And just happened to, because... You know, they're crazy kids. They all like to dance music, and just happened to uh, be at a DJ night where this was happening, and uh, a partnership formed, a collaboration, and they, so they started doing some stuff. Started doing some singles back in 2014. Now, what's interesting about that, and we've talked about uh, this, uh, you and I, and and you and I a little, Mauricio, is that I am not a fan of dance music, right? This is, but something about that. Uh, and something about the song Coffee, specifically, sort of grabbed me. And I didn't realize this until we started uh, planning on talking about this album, that we had got like that, that first album before it came out, mm-hmm. like when it was just being planned. And yeah. I was just like, why do I have the... Why do I have this? So it, it it's a type of music that just doesn't necessarily resonate with me. And I still, and we're going to talk about this, still can't figure out why it resonates with, with me. Uh, but it does. And, um, you know, what we saw after that uh, release, once the album came out, 
I, we've had him on the show before, and uh, and I've joked with him. And I said, "Well, are you guys, you guys cool with just your role as total world dominators?" And they laugh, but they really have like dominated the world. Mm-hmm. They are in car commercials. They are in movies. They are, they they sell out shows everywhere. They play f- festivals and draw like for a two person on stage operation. I think like a five person operation total. Mm-hmm. They are in my mind. Probably the biz- biggest success story in music in the past decade. Yeah, like this is, you know. So the pressure was high. Yeah, I think. But that first single uh, was, or it actually wasn't even the first single. I think there was one other before that. Um, I think that radio and kick jump twist. Kick jump twist. Yeah. That was the second one. The radio was, I think, the first one. Oh, well, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that first single sort of didn't even hint at a new direction. It was just like. Wait a minute! You're talking about you, you're, you're talking about the the radio that you just got on. Like, what's going on? You're already on? you're and this is and for me that indicated a uh, that this was going to be a great album. And uh, spoiler, I think they, I think they succeeded. Like that that filled the expectations. But uh, Mr. Dowling, I know you came yeah. to them uh, at a performance that we were just talking about yeah. at Yards Park. And, I, and you know I've been preaching this yeah, band and stuff, yeah. but you finally. So what okay. did you see in this All band? Right. So um, this actually goes back for me to like the Matt and Kim era in Brooklyn in like 2007, 2008. Uh, Matt and Kim are similarly a, a two-person uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're tandem and make very similar kind of like danceable, approachable, pop-friendly uh, indie idiom. But uh, the thing that differentiates them from Matt and Kim in the case of Sylvanesso is that there's an approach to songwriting here that's intentional and not in, like, a cute way. Like, Matt and Kim make songs that are really cute. Like, cute in a sense where, like, small children and, like, you know, animals love Matt and Kim songs. But, like... Like hamsters? Yes. Okay. Like little dancing hamsters. Right. right. Like, you know, like you're like Daylight and stuff like that. Little dancing hamster could dance to that. And it's totally the, the expectation. But um, when you hear stuff like this, there's like a layer to it. And it's that indie rock. It's that folk. It's that, you know, like jam band aesthetic mm-hmm. that's very prominent here. In the sense that, like, radio is stabbing at mainstream culture mm-hmm. of which they have to be a part because it's yeah, like absolutely if we're go- it's, it's one of those things that like the best of indie bands do it's like if we're going to main if we're going to partake of your you know mainstream fun we are going to do it of our own device well, you, you have to have a track on your album i mean uh pavement did it and famously cut uh, cut your hair yeah you know that is you have to have that i think on that to say in some ways like fuck you, we're still punk. Yeah, but but at the same time, you know, it is uh, this track in particular is indicative of I think their where they are as songwriters and where they are as people. I mean, there's no reason for them not to have written the song. Like right. this is absolutely would have been expected. And, and it's their not, character, like they yeah. always seem like the very like sly, yeah. kind of humorous types. Yeah, you exactly. Know? I mean, yeah. And if you listen to Mountain Man, it was a very. Um, uh, it was sort of a weird exploration of Americana. Like, I first saw them at Newport Folk Festival, I think, in 2012. And, uh, which, I think Megaphone was actually playing, but they didn't know each other then. Right. And, and they were great at that time. And, and they were great because they were doing this old like, Americana thing, but talking about more serious issues, which has become 
now the the rigor of of what we should do with this. But yeah, I think you're right. As songwriters, they are doing something that you don't often hear in this genre. Right. You know, words matter. Yeah. And and, and just like yeah, 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 yeah can be effective in a song. See Brian Wilson. Exactly. You know, but if that's all you got in a song, I, I don't know. Right. So there's like a there's been a slew of like one hit wonder like indie girl pop stars in this lane for at least the last five years. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Halsey Tovlo, you, you, we, we could name... Every Chainsmokers feature. Exactly. <laughs> all of them. Every single damn one of them. So, Those guys again. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but no, there's a, there's a thing that like the music is better than the vocalist. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. I compare, I compare this lane to Trap in the same sense where like the producers are usually infinitely better than the singer, songwriter, vocalist person. And... That doesn't exist here. Mm-mm. Like the words do the okay. So the if you're looking at making like a pop song for the radio in 2017, the words don't matter. The words literally don't yeah, matter. Yeah, like yeah. Eduardo sat on his couch and read Chainsmokers lyrics to show you how little the words how little actually they matter. matter. Yes, yes, they exactly. literally don't matter at all because the music is so strong and the music is so curated in a sense for like pop consumption mm-hmm. that you know the words don't matter. Like you know, "Bad and Bougie" by Migos literally is a hook. Bad and bougie, cooking up dope with an Uzi. Like, that's actually what the song says. Yeah, and yeah. That, that means I nothing. I like how you're setting this up. Right. Yeah. That means literally nothing. Yeah. But, like, in a song like Die Young, yes. the words mean everything. Yeah, they do. The words they do. actually mean more than the production. They does. do. And, and uh, we'll, we'll tell you what the hook is in this, but you'll probably get it. Uh, because, this, to me, this is, this is the sweetest hook of, of 2017. This, is, this, is, this belongs in every. Uh, ear hole and every single like rom com, f- everywhere it can possibly be, it belongs mm-hmm. because it's just the truth. Hundred percent. So, uh, Die Young by Sylvanesso. gonna die young but now i have to wait for you baby yep deep that that, that well that you know you're being serious i am being serious that, i think it's you're young too yeah yeah <laughs> but that is deep that that is that is what 
if you are uh, if you don't have love in your life, uh, we may have a podcast for you later. No, mm-hmm. no, no, no. George Benson will tell you about that. <laughs> uh, no, that's a subtle plug. <laughs> it, cashmere. It, it is, you know, whether you're young or you're old, uh, you're single or couple, like that feeling is what love is about. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. to put it, and this is what the best, I think, pop artists do and best songwriters do. To put it in in something so simple that we've all thought it for our whole lives, and then all of a sudden you hear it, you're like, "Oh man!" Like that's that's a remarkable talent. Now we we've heard a lot from you, Mr. Dunn, but I want to hear from Mauricio because you are you are uh, by far the more electronic. Oh, that's not even like all the way. Like I'm, yeah, I'm I'm a fan of production value. Yes. I still like instrumentation and the nuance mm-hmm. in recordings. So Nick's record, Nick's uh, production in this, I think, is really, really good. And what you were saying, Mark, is about yeah. like the attention to the lyricism. I um, I think this is a pretty good album. I won't say great. I think some of the there is a little bit of uh, there's some tracks that felt like filler. Mm-hmm. That you know, Die Young's instrumentation, the production there is awesome. The lyrics in there is awesome, and some of the stuff on radio and the other songs we'll talk about later are great. But then there's other stuff that sounds kind of generic esque, like the glow. Um, I wasn't a big, I wasn't super sold on the on the. Well, like I'm not sold on 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 uh, Kick Jump Twist. I am. That's my one well, of my favorite so, songs. So that's interesting because so I am completely sold on the glow because the glow is a tale of 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 basically you. It's the people you hung out with when you were a kid. Yes, and but, that's a that's a. I don't want to say it's a summer album or anything, but that's a beautiful feeling. There, so the lyrics I I like a lot with you know kind of like reminiscing, nostalgic a little bit. Yeah. But that track sounds to me if you're going to talk about sound. And just like the music, like Chainsmokers, that's like mm-hmm. that sounds more like a top forty. Like the label said, we need something that's more straightforward. Kick Jump Twist, I think, is the sound I that I would hope that Sylvan Esso explores more mm-hmm. with the next album. Kind of like more peppy, like out there. Just so many weird sounds coming together in a like a really quick pace kind of thing. It's also lyrically, it's very, it's it's a spiritual cousin to radio. Yes, I mean that that kicked him twist. It, it's saying like, "Oh, you want me to? You want you gotta, me to shake my ass?" And now you're famous. Now you're famous. You're doing this over and over every yeah. day. Yeah, like the, the lyric. I think that that song, the production and the lyrics are both great. Um, some songs like song. I love the the lyrics. Mm-hmm. I love the lyrics of the glow, but I don't like the production of those. Interesting. So, um, so, so the more poppy it gets, you are you're sort of like uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I there and then there's other songs. I I think what the reason you're connecting is cuz you hear some of that that actual instrumentation like some of the stuff later in the album. I think it was Signal there's like nice acoustic guitar Signal like Signal through uh, Rewind. Signal Slackjaw and Rewind. Those are, those seem like the more organic uh, and that's like the original thesis statement I guess of Sylvanesso which is kind of like meshing those or organic, you know, instrumentation yeah, and, and it's really cliche at this point. I think everybody's asked him and I I mean I even asked him. Uh, you know, it's putting the human in the machine. Yeah, yeah. And that, and and uh, and and we're gonna get to we're gonna get back to the love. Uh, but I actually want to I want to talk about that uh, and play a track real quick. Uh, you know, that for me was certainly a selling point. It doesn't explain how this connects with me for the dance tracks because right. I I mean I don't dance. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what's your favorite song on the album? The song the song we're about to play. Okay, and and. and but saying what's my favorite song on the album is like that, that's 
as disgenuous because like the whole thing works for me. So I can slide through. Uh, Kick Jump Twist is my least favorite, but I still like it better than most things that like I've heard <laughs> this year. So so I can slide through that. But the reason uh, the track I, I want to play real quick here, uh, Sound, is when uh, – and, and you got to keep in mind too. We'll probably reiterate this a few times. This is music made by two people. This is music made by two people often in just like a living room. Uh, when we had Nick down here just talking about his Made of Oak project, they were he was actually leaving to go essentially record this album the next day and talking about uh, stuff like opening up the piano where he lives or getting a screen door sound and putting it all into this and taking these organic sounds and making it into something else. That was a little bit on the last album, on Sylvanesso. It is nowhere more uh, perfectly executed or – like if you don't get the metaphor, I, I, I don't know what, what, what you're doing with your brain. Uh, but on sound, what kicks off this album basically says exactly what this band is about. So this is sound. song for you gonna sing it out loud gonna sing in such decibels that all you'll hear is sound i mean that's a love song of a different sort mm -hmm. that is a, that is a a love note to the fans it is a love note to uh whoever she's writing about mm -hmm. or he i don't know i don't know if her if amelia or nick wrote that song um and the way it arises out of a mass and a mess of electronic sounds mm -hmm. And goes into the song The Glow, mm -hmm. which is just goes right into pop. Is that, uh, I think it's the name of the track is Wolves on the last album that I really connected to because it, it's honoring like, their folk writing, mm -hmm. where they came from. 
Because that could be a folk lyric. You put no, you, of course, you, right. You, you yeah. put you put acoustic guitar behind that, and you're like you're golden. Yeah, uh, it's honoring that, but then like doing something very different that matches their aesthetic now, mm-hmm. and that matches like how they hear these things and how they're experiencing these things. And then on top of that, that's what the kids want to hear, right? Like that is it. It is that their success is not accidental. Is what I'm saying. No, not at all. Not at all. So we were talking off mic, and and now and now I'm trying to like contextualize it in my head, but there's like two things that are like missing from making this like really 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 super accessibly great. Like you have to really like dive in and know this particular like like the influences that make this band like this duo great mm-hmm. in order to really like be like this is the music I champion. But um, there's like two things. There's like one or one of two things that are missing. Like. Number one, the thing that made all the New York stuff that kind of preceded this, like, sonically great, was that everybody in New York in, like, 2005, 6, 7, were listening to DFA Records, were listening to, like, everything that came off of that label. And there's something about, like, being punk and being pop, and being mm-hmm. punk in this way that's, like, fuzzy and dirty and grimy mm-hmm. and, like, smack you in the face with, like, really just hard music yeah. that made that yeah. great. But I think that, like, there isn't a folk punk thing like label wise, quite like this. Yeah. So to me, it's like I go all the way back to like Sun Records stuff, which is something that oh, they could listen to, like Million Dollar Quartet stuff. Like right, right. You know, like when you have like Johnny Cash and Carl Perkins and people like that who were like taking something that was so organic and pretty. Yeah. And then less like shoving rock and roll up its ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like and being like whatever comes out. We don't know. So you get everything from Elvis to Carl Perkins to, you know, like the stuff that Johnny Cash did. To, you know, there's, there's there's so much of that history. Yeah. And in a similar way, like looking at like the the stuff that like pulls out of folk and becomes like a rock essence. But in that punk sort of way where it's dirty, it's, it's yeah, dirtier. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think there's really been anything that's existed in the folk atmosphere I, that's been so dirty. So I wish, in that and, way. and I wish people would correct us because I actually have that exact. That's that's my thing, and that may be why I'm drawn to it more. You know, I I think if you can make this type of music, uh, we all love folk. Like right. well, we we we. It's just we're American. Americans love folk. Sorry, uh, you know, but uh, we don't all love electronic music, right? And. No, like I, I know a lot of music, and I just can't even begin to place somebody who's doing quite what they're doing. Right, because it's hard because it's not New York. If it were in New York, it's not New just, York. You literally they're go. In, they're in Durham. Here's, here's James Murphy. Just go talk to him, mm-hmm. and you'll be okay. But when you're in and, Durham, and look, LCD has its place. Although, right. I, I don't know how excited we actually are about the new album. Uh, Mauricio, you may be more excited than Very we are. Excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Don't you know, uh, don't, don't uh, even like get me started. Show, so it's like that was the last show, bro. Yeah. yeah. So, but that's the thing. It's like there's not a. They're kind of like figuring it out as they go, and absolutely. The, and the key to, the, to what makes the band great. Is not that the songs are great, but the songwriting is so astounding that, like, I, I almost wish that it's like, okay, so, like, I'm a big fan of trance, and I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of Above and Beyond. And the one thing that Above and Beyond will do on occasion, because their songs, the songwriting is, like, 
you, your jaw is rolling around the floor. It's just really, really great. Like, Sun and Moon is one of the great songs. Mm-hmm. It just is. You know, like, when you hear them do it acoustic, it, it makes all the sense in the world. But they have, like, a, a screen that they put up on their, in, their, on their, in, in their concerts. Because they're concerts. They're not, like, DJ sets. They're concerts. And they'll put, like, words on the screen behind right. them. They'll right. literally type on a, on a computer that's connected to a monitor behind them. And yeah. they'll be like, shout out to Monica. Or then it's like when Sun and Moon plays, it's like, I'm sorry, baby. You're the sun and moon to me. Oh, like needs- late, late, late night dedications. Yeah. It's really, uh, yeah, it's really fun. It's yeah. really fun. Like, and that's what makes their sets and concerts so fun. But in a sense, we're like, Sober Dazzle could benefit so much until they figure out musically. And I think that Nick is at that point where he's just having fun. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, ooh, I can run... Amelia's voice through, like, you know, delay. Trust and me, it, it, it is just fun. Right. It, it is, like... But the second he takes it seriously, it actually tries to make a serious hit, which I don't know if that's, like, his creative process, but if, you, if he takes this thing, like, really seriously, like, I'm going to boil this down and make a hit. Like, well, he, there's, so, there's something in the songwriting that, to me, is, like, you could put, this, you could put these lyrics up behind them, and for right now, it would benefit them immensely. But there's a point where, like, musically, that thing mm-hmm. that's, like, right there literally does not exist in history of music. Yeah, I mean, I mean look, to that point, uh, it could be argued that they've now made two albums of hits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you look, you look at Damn, how it charted on Billboard yeah, and stuff. Of course, if, right. if they had the visibility of Kendrick Lamar... Everything on here is a hit. Yeah. Everything on Sylvanessa, the debut album, is a hit. So do you, do you suggest, that, and this is another thing, not that I'm speaking directly to them in the microphone, but I am. But, like, <laughs> it's, the, it's the thing where, like, Moby put the entire, like, made the entire album available for commercial, like, you know, you know, like, release so that, you know, like, if, if you're doing, like, you know, co- corporate advertising, you could use any of these songs. Because to me, that's what that, this sounds like. It sounds like every great car commercial or every great, like, Olympics ad or whatever. But, it does, but, 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 but not, not in a negative not way. Not in a cynical a, way. Not, yeah, not, not, not like they're crafting these songs. Like, this music deserves because, to be heard by everybody. Because what, what we have to talk about, too, is this is this is a, a album, um, which, I mean, if you look at the cover, it's it's kind of adorable. Like, yes. it's, uh, it's Amelia uh, jumping on Nick. That is a bar down in... Uh, in Raleigh-Durham area, yeah, having on good authority, um, and look, these are these are two fun-loving kids, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and uh, and they're young, and uh, they have made now two albums about very different sides of love, right? And this album is about this. Every song is essentially a love song, you yeah, know? absolutely. Um, it's on un- what I realized listening today. It's sort of fascinating because I don't know. From what perspective? I don't know if yeah. it's from a female's perspective or a male's mm-hmm. perspective. I totally. I just, you know, you automatically assume you hear a female voice. You're like, oh, yeah. But yeah. there's some of these that turn it around. Right. This one actually is, I think. Uh, actually, you know what? I take that back. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't fucking know. I just right. know the song jams and it captures a very, uh, very just tangible thing about relationships, period. That, again... You know all this your whole life as yeah. a human being, but you never put it like this. Uh, this is just dancing.
Just dancing uh, from Sylvanesso. Uh, you know, there's a line in there that is a, is a is a key to not just um, making it a love song, but but I think in general, like just being a fan of like this type of music or anything and mm-hmm. stuff. And it is, uh, it feels so good when we begin. So let's freeze it now before it ends. Let's never stop starting. Never stop starting. Mm-hmm. Like you never pick up anyone that's long term potential at a club. No, that's the whole. List. So that's that sounds that sounds like it's it right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean that that's. <laughs> I'm sorry to anyone that's picked up someone in the club and ended up marrying them. <laughs> I do. I don't mean. I don't mean to generalize like I do. People <laughs> at fire festival. Mauricio claims culpability for for, <laughs> for all these club yeah. hookups. I just love the idea that this is so like it's just a really solid techno track. Like mm-hmm. um, there's a big movement in techno right now because trap is so big for techno producers to use 808s. As like you know, kind of like the the template for making techno, and it was fun. It's fun for me to hear this because it's like I hear so much of that stuff, and because it's eight oh eight, it's like click click boom 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 yeah. boom. Yeah. And and the the bass line like just takes the melody just out of the song, and it's just like it's like wow, th- these drugs must be really terrible. Like I don't know what the kids are doing. <laughs> it's too much. This is way too much. Like yeah. Like like I saw Brodinsky, who was like the head of. Uh, the bromance label. He's a big techno guy. He uh, played last year at, at uh, Three Fifty More Street, which is the the the, the old um, food truck preparation warehouse okay. in Northeast. And it was it was funny because it's like the music was so heavy that there was no other thing that you had space to think about right. in the song except for like existential angst. Like, that was just how big the song was and mm-hmm. how heavy it was. It sounds like the time I saw bass nectar. Just too much. <laughs> too much bass. Right. So it's like, so when you hear something like this, there's a space to, like, do pop. Like, there's there's a lane here, I feel. Yeah. And it's because, again, like, most dance songs aren't written as well. So you want to leave space for, like, the actual song to breathe. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, like, a real lesson in that. And I was glad to hear it because I'm like, oh, good. This is a... A lesson point. Or like what? What would be the happen? Chainsmokers equivalent of that lyric? God, I don't know. Like, baby, remember that first time we did it? It was great. Yeah, like, yeah, no, baby, baby, we got high. 
and then okay, maybe we got high, <laughs> then we did it, and it was great. Yeah, there it is. Can we do it again? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's maybe we got high, then we did it. It was great. It was fucking great. And your dad tried to knock me out on the lawn. <laughs> How about that? There it is. Um, oh, yeah, I mean, it, it's yeah. You know, we've talked a lot about lanes, and we've also. Talk said like I, I just don't know who's in their lane. Like Mauricio, do you, when you go out looking for electronic acts and you, you're listening to stuff, like who do you, who can you name that sounds like this? No, and I, I was talking a little bit about this with with Marcus about like this is there is no one like them, and I my hope is that eventually someone tries to kind of also join that lane. Yeah. I like I like stuff like this that kind of takes some of the organic electronic. Oh, God. What about Flock of Dimes? Flock of Dimes, they're friends with Jim Wasserman from Y Oak. Uh, also down in Durham now and stuff. She's and she's Baltimore do- down to Wyoke. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and so she is. She's now doing similar stuff, but it's not. It's not this. It's not God. full. It's not full on this. Something, it's great. Something just occurred to me, like that. Just like if people want to listen to more stuff that's like like this, but not um, for a while. This guy dropped the lime. Was mm-hmm. doing like this guy. You, you know, drop, drop the lime. No, drop the lime. Okay, so Trouble no. and Bass <laughs> Records, which no longer exists. Um, they were very much influenced by like outlaw country and techno. Outlaw country and techno. I really I love when when bands like take completely disparate genres yeah. and you know Are just like do something. Yeah. No, it's the same. It's I, the same thing. Sure. You're doing the same. Outlaw. All right, maybe like the lyrical content could maybe be a little bit similar, yeah. but maybe. so so. But there's something though with like what what like drop the line was doing with again the songs weren't that good. Yeah, like the hooks were amazing, but the songs weren't that good. So it's like, I think that there's like, but yeah, there's nothing that really sounds like this. And it's almost like, to its credit, like, nobody's going to, like, like the Wild stuff kind of goes there. But again, you mean the deal, Flock of Dimes stuff, the Flock of Dimes stuff, yeah. it goes there, but it's not the same like this. Well, and, it, and it shouldn't be the same, but, I, but, I, but I guess, and, and she's taking risks in a different way. But I think what you're trying to say is like the the and correct me if I'm wrong. The risks that they take on this pay off. Yeah. And when people take risks, they don't generally pay off. But when you know what you're doing, okay. So there's like there's like a cheat code when like <laughs> yeah. When you okay. So I was already in a X, popular X, Y Y right right a stuff down up down left right start mm-hmm. feet right. Yeah. So uh, like when you've already been in a successful folk act. And you've already, like, done things that work. Mm-hmm. And you've already established yourself in having a career of mm-hmm. things that demonstrably work. And you already understand how to write good songs. Yeah. Like, there's a thing. Like, I, I interviewed A-Track once, and he's like, every song that I make, I play it acoustically first. And if it sounds like crap acoustically, then I can't make it electronically. So there's... Yeah. A- yeah, so there's a thing with these songs where, like, you're dealing with two people who already know how to make great songs. Mm-hmm. So, like, transferring this into, like, a, like, synth-pop-driven act is not impossible. Because if they had sticks and a banjo, they could make the same they, songs. They, 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 they did a fantastic, I don't know if you knew Landlady out of uh, Brooklyn. No. Uh, they're a really phenomenal band. They, they've been around for a while. They, now, uh, I will say this. If you listen to their albums, they're not immediately satisfying. They're very complex. Yeah. They're more jazz, indie type stuff. Yeah. Uh, but as, as a music nerd, like if you listen to it, there's a lot of meat on those bands. And they did a, yeah. they did a track, like one of the videos they did was on a rooftop with Landlady backing them. And, right. and exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Like that they get this like 
complexity in this stuff that like they can do it whatever way they want. I mean, a good yeah. song is a good song. If you play this on acoustic guitar, if you play it on melodica, yeah. like it doesn't matter. <laughs> Again, because the words actually matter. Yeah, like that's I think that's the one big giant takeaway from this this album for me is like sometimes I get on, like I get on rappers for being too wordy. Because I feel like there's a lot of rappers who don't know the right words to say, so they say too many words because they don't know the words. But in this case, these words are great, mm-hmm. and there's just enough of them to like convey these like massive emotional concepts in a sentence or in a hook, even in a so hook. not even a full sentence. Like, yeah, just just, like, just the hook. Yeah, you're like, wow, that just described like, and if you're like in love or out of love, like, boom, that's five years of relationship, like right there. Bang! You're just like, oh, well, yep. okay, there it is. Yep. Yeah, the the instrumentation on here uh, that drew me in at first. Some of the stuff, like I said before, kind of like turned me away because it was a little bit top forty. But then you dig more deeper into these songs, like I said, "Die Young" and uh, "Song," for example. I like I like the lyrical content of "Song," talking about you know actual catchy songs. I thought yeah. that was I I like the the style of lyricism they go for, and I hope intentional. They continue, yes. Yeah. I, I like the intention behind behind this stuff. Everything that they, yeah, um, you just got to dig deep and yeah, yeah, for sure. Because yeah, at first I was, it's, uh, yeah, on the surface it's like if you're listening to this thinking this is a pop album, you're wrong. Yeah, and that's you're, I think you're that's 100 wrong. I, I was looking at it more at, from just the instrumentation standpoint when I first took a listen, and you know, to um, to everyone's credit to like tell me to take a, a better a better listen, mm-hmm. I did, and I came up came away a lot more impressed so to start wrapping this up mauricio what would you recommend people do with this you got it you got now we're at a uh, a buy a try or a pass man i if there was a halfway point between try and buy i would do there it's it's a good album um there's a real there's some really great production behind here there's are you comparing really it to the first album at all no okay good no good though head shoulders knees and toes will always be one of my favorites yes um but yeah i'm gonna say it's. I'm gonna come back to some of these songs later on, mm-hmm. you know, especially "Kick Jump Twist," which I already have been for the last couple of months. "Just Dancing," uh, "Die Young," and "Signal," or "Sound." Sorry, "Sound." Sound. Sound. Um, you know, uh, some of the stuff pretty good. I'm. We we'll probably won't come back, but I'd say like there's a good enough set of songs in here to say at the very least you need to try. Yeah. So, so for you, it's a solid try, Mr. Yes. Galley. Same here. I tell people to try this because um, this is a band that's gonna get a shot. To like do it, and they're you. You need to try them now before they're shoved down your throat, and you don't have a choice but to listen to them. Like that, <laughs> they have that. They have that. That it's in the same sense. What like world Matt and Kim is this to me. that you speak of? Right, but it's like it's like they're very Matt and Kim to me in a sense. Like Matt and Kim went from like Daylight is a cute song that broke on the blogs and became a thing that like suddenly was ubiquitous, and you couldn't turn anywhere in the universe without right. hearing this song like a right. hundred million times and it wasn't in a negative way it's just the song was great so like everybody jumped on the same bandwagon at the exact same time mm-hmm. i see the same thing being able to happen with them because again they have a skill and talent with words yeah that very few other people have so like and when you do anything in the music industry now you don't do it in like ones and tens there used to be like a million people that could write a great song yep now there's like five <laughs> so and there's case, and there are two of them right there are two of them right so, so. it's like there you go like that you have to like pay attention to that and give this a try again before this is violently shoved down your throat in the most pleasing way possible yeah i i am a i i am a strong buy and and bias aside um 
you know, we we've interviewed these people. Uh, I full disclosure, like I know their manager. Yeah. Uh, he also manages some of my favorite people, like Phil Cook. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've had Jim Wasner over here. Like that, whatever's going on in Durham. Is the real shit. That's why. That's why Moakfest is there now. That's why Moakfest. Yeah, is it there? No, I thought it's still in Asheville. No, it's 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 in Durham now. They moved out of Asheville. We'll have to fact check that because I, I think. Yeah. But 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 if not, it should be. It should yeah. be because what's going on down there? I'm, almost, I'm, I'm gonna check it right now. It's the, it's the beer. It's the ubiquity of beer over there in North Carolina. They just are really. It good. could be, but 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 uh, first of all, and I said this about the last album. I said. If you can get me to like this kind of music, like I do, I like nerdy synth music. You put on my fa- one of my favorite albums is Tangerine Dreams Miracle Mile soundtrack. It's amazing. Yeah, Moldfest 2017, a music, art, and technology festival being hosted in Durham, North Carolina. There you go. Well then, <laughs> uh, we'll do it live. Well, shit. I guess we're going down there, Mauricio. <laughs> I'd be down. All right, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but 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 shout so, out to Sean Alexander. Yeah. Yes. So so. so so whatever's going on down there is is the real heat, I think, and and these guys are at the top of the pile of who's leaving this sort of movement out of Durham now. Uh, more importantly, though, uh, this is for me. We've talked a lot on this podcast in the past few months. Uh, these are dark times for a lot of people, mm-hmm. me myself included. Yeah. Julian Kimball. This is the third podcast I mentioned on. Julian Kimball wrote a masterful piece on on how binge watching netflix to avoid depression it's the best it is it is it is absolutely the best if he doesn't win an award for that piece yeah then they don't need to they just stop giving and awards whether to you're, whether you're de- actually depressed you're medicated you're just feeling down or whatever this is this is a real thing mm-hmm. and this uh and i know this wasn't necessarily their intention but this is this I think lets people feel okay for about like forty or fifty minutes. Yep, her voice and, does that. It's huh? like super soothing. Yeah, and and uh, someone when I interviewed him, Nick said to me this this phrase that he's being partially facetious, but he's actually not because he's he's that guy. He said something. He's like, no, not everything has to be super posy, right? Yeah. But the reality is, is everything about this album is super, super posy. posy. And and you feel it, and you feel the heart of the artist in this, in this little glimpse into whatever they're doing, and it, and it makes, uh, it makes for a lot of people like at least like a few minutes of of the day better, mm-hmm. and uh, more so than people doing protest songs, do this. So this yeah. is what we need. So, uh, cool. So Vanessa's what now? Out now. Sylvanessa's What Now is available in record stores anywhere or anywhere and everywhere. And they're continuing their world domination. They're going to be on tour literally everywhere. Uh, they're playing festivals. They're playing two nights coming up here in Washington, D.C. Uh, hopefully we'll have a little uh, chat with them. And uh, you guys can catch up and see how they're doing. 
and maybe even Miss Lucy Dacus, somebody who's been down here in this basement, has mm. also uh, she's got a lot to say, and she's opening up for him. Hot dog. I'm saying it's a it's going to be a great fucking show. Sold out, but if you can get tickets, please do that. Uh, I'm keeping you guys around because partially because Marisa, you haven't heard this, and uh, usually we just sort of I do this, you know, sitting down here with the cats, like you know, Gus Gizmo, you want to hear a song? But but this is a song. <laughs> Uh, and, and full disclosure, this is a good friend of ours, Mr. Sean Barna, uh, the not Irish, <laughs> like Sean Barna. So Actually, he is so it's not Sayon Barna. It's not Sayon Barna. Uh, he is he is the uh, the original and only purveyor of slutty folk. And uh, for the past two years, he's been working on an album called Pictures of an Exhibitionist. That album is complete now. We are happy to announce. And he just released his first single. And so we also don't normally uh, sort of parse these things. We just play them for you. We're going to do that. And Mauricio, I want want you to tell me what you think about this after this. Uh, Here is, uh, uh, at least on our podcast, a world premiere of Sean Barna's latest single, Sibling Tattoos. in some hotel And we walked to the bars And the parts of this town Where I wish I did And it looked the same But if it needs to talk about tattoos I would need another drink We can drive out to the coast With no unnecessary stops a toast down that well hidden from the cops Oh, well, it's special drink of two or three Might get you ready for your show All the rest you sent to me Since the said she didn't drink no more But if we need to talk about tattoos I will need another
Lovely tattoos by our friend Sean Barna. Now, you might be asking yourself, like, that sounds very poppy, and that sounds very, uh, I don't know, a little Counting Crows-ish. That's because the guy from Counting Crows uh, actually mastered this album. Uh, but I wanted to play that because much like um, Sylvanesto's music, you know, what we need around is stuff that sort of makes us feel good. And if for no other reason than when he cranks up the uh, the Irish brogue, it makes my lady giggle. The Irish what? The Irish brogue. Irish brogue. Voice. The singing in Irish. Is, is that... Oh, it's not like it's the warble. Like, it's not the warble no, that no, I'm no, hearing. No, yeah, yeah. So when he cranks that up, it makes my lady giggle. It makes and that makes life that makes life better. And you know, full, look, Sean is a, is a great friend of ours. We love Sean. Uh, so, so we, we try not to be biased, but that is, uh, you know, that's where it's at. Uh, Mauricio, how do you feel about that one? Oh, you're okay. This is actually happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So I haven't. I'll disclose by saying I haven't heard. Yeah. But I've heard, but I have a lot of friends that have, you know, that have you know, repped him and say he's yeah. awesome at shows. He's come over a lot and uh-huh. Black Cat and all that. Yeah. His voice is, I think I need more getting used to it. The, yes. the warble, the warble, like I have a little bit of stress in me when I hear that warble. <laughs> I don't know why. And then I can't even like focus yeah. on the lyrics. Yeah. I, the, the melodies are great. Um, very, like you said, very Counting Crows, like yeah. kind of like mm-hmm. pop rock-esque, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean... Uh, for me, I probably need to get used to the voice a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but you know, everyone I, I'll, I'll have, I have a lot of friends that will rep Sean yeah, Barn yeah, until yeah. the day to live die tonight so. at Do Drop In. Oh, is he playing tonight? You can do it. I have photos to edit. I shot a lot of concert. Well, it's only two concerts this week. You did. You but did. They were both great concerts, but uh, I need to do those first. Dallin, I, I know we've talked a lot about this album, but what do you have to say about this track here? Um, I think that there's a thing about Sean that's like very analogous to where like a Springsteen was in like 75, Where it was that. like, okay, he wasn't like really turning up the, the, the decibels yet, mm-hmm. but it was like still like about being like a good singer songwriter. Yeah. Because that was like kind of that Jersey thing for him was like, I'm going to be a good singer songwriter and sing the American song. Yep. And there's things about the, the lyrical content on this record that makes it a very modern American record in the way that like we haven't heard records like this that like sit you down and tell you a story and drink you a beer and pat you on the head and send you out the door. And that's what this feels like. Yeah. That now you think about now you mentioned the Bruce Springs thing. I kind of like feel is like a little bit like of a less extravagant instrumentation of like Born to Run or something. There you yes. go. <laughs> yeah. So look, look and look, look Sean is a, is a huge Springsteen fan. Okay. Like, like most people. I mean, <laughs> that makes. I mean, sense. there's there's no there's no question about that. But yeah, I, th- I think I think you're right. Even just taking from that song specifically, it's like tapping into uh, Americana, yeah, as yeah. it were, right now. And writing a song that is uh, uh, non-traditional, at least, in, mm-hmm. and and I will tell you, like, if you when you finally hear the album, you haven't you haven't heard this, yeah, ever, It'll, or have you ever heard this in a long, and, and it's not, and it's not a perfect time. album. Well, I will say that, yeah, I want Sean to get all big-headed. No, it, but it, but it, 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 you haven't you haven't heard this, you haven't heard this perspective, and that 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 is a. That's actually a suitable. I'm glad he picked this as the first single. That that's a suitable introduction to what this whole album is about. I'll, I'll tell people like when this record comes out, there's a cognitive dissonance point that occurs with this record. That's mm-hmm. not that's and, and I'm not saying this to make his head big. It's the same way that like people who are not aware that black culture was like 
in a, in a really fucked up place when they heard to Pippa Butterfly mm-hmm. and you had that cognitive dissonance point of like why are all these things happening why is it spelled why what 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 the same thing will happen to you when you listen to this record because yep. there are words that he says in combinations of sentences that hit you and you're just like I'm gonna play that again because I, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I, did I hear that <laughs> exactly. right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. Yeah. I heard that right. Wow. Yeah. And you'll start thinking, and it's a good one. It's a it's a walker. It's a grower. Yeah. Intentionally. Yeah. So so we'll keep you updated on that. Uh, he is gonna. He was. He was actually supposed to be here in this basement tonight, and he's dragging his ass to get down here from New York. He's playing a do drop in. Uh, if you're listening to this on Monday, you missed it. <laughs> but, womp. Uh, womp womp. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he will be down here to talk about this album. And just music in general, and uh, and continue to deliver hot takes like he did on the Year End podcast. Yes, all of them. Because he is, uh, yeah. So, good job, Sean. I still like bummed out I missed that. Yeah. Next year. Next year. Next year. We drank a lot of alcohol that day. We did drink a lot of alcohol that day. <laughs> Not today because it's too fucking hot. And thank on that note, thank you guys for uh, for bearing this out. Because it is, it is fucking hot. It's a little cooler down here. Okay. Uh, it's, yeah. it's relaxed. Yeah, it's relaxed. Uh, <laughs> if you liked what you just heard, uh, you can tune into us on iTunes. Just can subscribe there. You can uh, leave us a rating or a message. Those are all good things uh, because we like feedback. Aside from like ourselves giving us feedback, because our feedback is just like high five, bro. Yeah, bro. <laughs> We're awesome, bro, dog. And. Uh, we're on Google Play, Stitcher, Mixcloud. Uh, this one I actually am going to put up on SoundCloud because I, I sort of want everybody to hear it. Uh, and I always say, too, uh, Matt Condon and you, sir. Me? Mauricio Castro are out there pretty much every night, every other night. On the live circuit. Yeah, on the live circuit. And every show. Start, and, and I want to start something. When you see Mauricio, we're going to put a, p- a picture of you in this oh, post. Oh, God. When you see him at a show, buy him a drink. <laughs> You know, I would appreciate that. I would totally appreciate it. I'll t- I'll talk if up with someone. If you find Mauricio attractive, swipe right. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> How about that? Like, we'll, we'll, we're trying to hook you up, man. Thank, yeah, thanks for looking yeah. out for me, Kevin. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, you know, I knew I joined joined y'all for a reason. <laughs> yeah, we, we we talk about music and facilitate love lives. That's, that's what we do down here. Listen to uh, George Benson podcast. We are going to. There's a there's a very special podcast we're doing. Uh, I said we we're going to be doing gorillas. That's going to be. A week from now, uh, my good friends Nassim from uh, Nassim Curry from Kingsley Flood and Sam McCormley from uh, Ugly Purple Sweater and fellow creatures stopped by, and we got drunk as fuck and played songs that we love. And so that's happening on Thursday, and uh, it's it's trust me, it's epic. It's you know, it, it's a good thing. So, um, so we'll talk to you then. Uh, and until then, be good to yours, but be better to your people. We'll talk to you soon. No, <laughs> 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 <laughs>